Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Matthew 6, 20. I am Rob West. The Bible clearly warns against storing up earthly treasure for its own sake and instead calls us to be rich toward God. Today, Ken Boa and Russ Crossan tell us how to do that using biblical leverage. Then it's on to your calls at 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is Faith and Finance Live, biblical wisdom for your financial journey. Well, I'm delighted to have Dr. Ken Boa and Russ Crossan here again today. Uh, Ken is the founder of Reflections Ministries. Russ is executive vice president and chief mission officer at Ronald Blue Trust. Gentlemen, great to have you back with us. Rob, thanks for having me. Thank you. This is our third and final interview on the great book the two of you co-authored. It's titled Leverage, Using Temporal Wealth for Eternal Gain. Uh, It's such an important book that we want everyone to have a copy, literally. So that's why until the end of the year, we're making it available to folks for a gift of any amount to FaithFi. Just go to faithfi.com and click on the Give tab. Uh, Now, for folks who may not have heard the other episodes we've done on this topic, uh, Russ, would you give us just a thumbnail sketch of this idea of biblical leverage? Yeah, it's the idea that um, we know about leveraging a house. You borrow money and use leverage to buy a bigger house. Well, if you leverage your giving to get involved in what God's doing around the world, you can have an incredible impact on eternity. So it's the idea that you take yours, invest it now, and see what God does to multiply it. Yeah. Well, you know, one question folks struggle with a lot is where should I give? And some even ask, is it okay to give somewhere other than my local church? Uh, Ken, how should folks answer those questions? Yes, I think that this issue, in fact, the church was the one that was collecting the revenues for then the distributing of those things. But Paul talks about those who uh, share in the benefits of the gospel should all share all good things with those who presented it. So it has to do, as we can see in the epistles, with those who have taught them, those who have discipled them, those who have mentored them, those who have uh, been um, uh, evangelists as well. So there's a wide array of things, but it has to, in my mind, involve something to do with the gospel. Uh, It seems to me that that's a critical component where there are different kinds of uh, things that we can give in different areas. But I think that the uh, gospel needs to be included. More specifically, though, the Great Commission of making Mm -hmm. disciples. And so that's what we're told. So this ministry of God's word that you can uh, give it away, and then God's mercy, we talk about this in the appendix, and then ministry of God's justice. So they're different, mm-hmm. but the Spirit will guide us in what to do as we yes. look to Him and use our wisdom, use His wisdom and combine it. It's a synergistic process. Ken, what would you say to those who say, well, wait a minute, we're not under the law of Moses anymore, we're under the law of Christ, and therefore the tithe doesn't apply? Yes, it's actually, I think of the tithe as an actual working minimum because to give proportionately is going to be, it's really giving according to your ability. And so while we're not giving an exact amount, it would be well for us to realize that it's grace giving and it is based upon who much has been received, much will be given. Uh, So that that whole idea that you you receive and then you give. Um, So it's a perspective of, Holding on to God's perspective of what's going to last, what's going to endure, what defines me is what it comes down to. 
See, see, Rob, we wish the New Testament gave us a percentage. That'd be a lot easier. Yes. That's why the instruction in First Timothy to rich people, because, you know, it's we wish it told us a percentage, 23 or 62 or 49. Give me a number, because to him it must have been given much required. And the more you have, all right, what's that mean for me? And that's where it gets to be real challenging and why you have to really listen to the Holy Spirit, because rich people can be way more generous than they realize. Mm. And when we talk about rich people, we're not necessarily talking about those that uh, have an ultra high net worth, although they're included. But really, we can all think of ourselves as rich, Russ, because we have more than we need, right? Yeah. If you define rich, which is the way we define it as having more than you need, because God promises to meet our needs, then some people have way more than they need. Some people have just enough to meet their needs. That's where it's really easier for the person that just has enough to meet his needs and the person has way more than he needs, it gets way harder for him to answer the question, how much is enough? That's really helpful. We're talking today with Dr. Ken Boa and Russ Crossan, the co-authors of Leverage, using temporal wealth for eternal gain. When we come back, what about asset-based giving? And how do we test where the spirit is leading us? Also, what's the proper mindset for our giving? Following this interview, your questions today at 800-525-7000. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Great to have you with us today on Faith and Finance Live. I'm Rob West. Joining me today, my good friends, Dr. Ken Boa and Russ Crossan, co-authors of the book, Leverage, Using Temporal Wealth for Eternal Gain. We want to put a copy in your hands, and we can do that when you make a gift of any amount, and we mean that, any amount at faithfi.com. That's faithfi.com. Just click the Give tab. Now, Russ, uh, our friend Ron Blue calls Dr. Boa Dr. Dr. Boa because he's actually got two doctorates. Uh, How did you feel writing a book with a guy that's smart. Well, it's very intimidating, and just hope the readers, when they read the book, they'll know the part he wrote and the part I wrote. So <laughs> remember, remember, you have a theologian on one side and a practitioner on the other side, so have have um, grace when you read the way I wrote versus the way he wrote, and you'll be able to tell the difference. <laughs> <laughs> I suspect you will. Uh, Dr. Boa, how do we test where the Spirit is leading us as we think about our giving? I think it has to do with risk-taking. There's no growth in the way of knowing Christ and discipleship apart from taking of significant risks. And the more we grow, the more he will invite us to take risks. So that's why the proportionate principle is so incredibly high, because the more we have, the more we're actually going to be having to say it's going to be more and more, not less and less. And so yes. the the way we grow in our faith is to commit ourselves to an action that will fail unless God shows up. Mm. Yeah, we've been talking about the where of our giving. Russ, let's talk about the how. That's, of course, another important question to address. Uh, You talk in the book about cash flow versus net worth giving. Uh, How do we decide which, or is it both? Well, I would say for potentially the wealthier people, it's both. For most folks, it'll be cash flow. They give out their salary or their dividends off their company or whatever. And that's what we mean by cash flow giving. They're writing checks or giving cash. But if they have a net worth and have assets that are growing, once you've kind of answered the question, how much is enough, you need to say, why is that still growing? My retirement plan is going up. My business is going up. My real estate's going up. And so you have to look at that. If you're going to answer the question and be able to stand before God and he says, how'd you do with what I gave you? You have to look at the asset side of your financial life, I think, as well, because I don't think it's going to be a good answer to say, well, I kept giving out of my $200,000 salary, but my business grew to $20 million. 
uh, under my watch and uh, you know I didn't give according to my abilities I went along so I think the wealthier you are the more you have to look at the asset side of of your situation in addition to the cash flow in order to give according to your ability yeah is it your experience that when you challenge folks around net worth giving that requires a bit more of an act of faith uh, in, in many cases it does, but quite frankly, Rob, because we live in a great country, many times they avoid capital gain tax, they yeah. get a write it off. So quite frankly, a gift of an asset sometimes is even better stewardship than a gift of cash because you avoided some taxes, you get a write it off at a fair market value. And so it does take faith. It takes some time for people to kind of grasp that. I think the biggest thing is to understand that you can actually give assets. Mm. You can, and that's where the use of foundations and things like this come in, but you can give assets. And then it is harder sometimes, but sometimes it's, it's really good stewardship to do that. Mention a few of the specific opportunities for asset-based giving that our listeners may not be familiar with. Well, the first one would be if you have an appreciated stock in your portfolio um, that's got a built-in gain, you ought to look at anything that's appreciated, appreciated yeah. land, appreciated uh, real estate, anything that's gone up, LLC interest. So anything that's appreciated, you might want to consider giving it before you sell it, if you're thinking about selling it. Maybe even give it in, in lieu of giving cash because you avoid that capital gain tax. So mm-hmm. it's anything like that that's that's got appreciation in it on your asset side. You, you, know, you don't give... Obviously, you can give, if you're over 70 and a half, you can give 100,000 out of your retirement plan. There's some other cool things you can do there, but anything that's appreciated would be what you'd look at first. Yeah, and that's why we love the Donor Advised Fund. It becomes such a powerful tool uh, to facilitate the kind of giving that Russ is talking about. Uh, Dr. Boa, help us with the mindset that we should have during the act of giving. The mindset, I think, should be one of privilege, uh, not duty. Uh, It's actually an opportunity of freedom that I've been given to have some eternal impact during this temporal arena and to transmute the lead of what's passing away into the gold of what will endure forever. So it's a mindset of doing that. But part of the thing that tethers us as well is the bottom line, how much do we have? And often we want to hold on to it even in this life. And I, my own thinking more and more, I have to say, uh, Rob, is that I'm finding I'd rather die poor at the end. Uh, I want to live in such a way that I have no more than I actually need to get along because it's going to be asking me these questions later on. What did you do with what I gave you? And if I invest it now and put it in the lives of people that will have an incalculably diffusive impact, uh, there's no way of quantifying that. But it's hard. You have to treasure the unseen over the seen and the not yet over the now. So, you know, you can't take it with us, so you're going to give it away either now or when you die. And so I think many people think, well, I'll just give it away when I die. But there's a both and. You give currently, as we've already talked about earlier, reverse compounding, but you also give through your estate plan. But it's both and, not just give it all at the end. Yes, when we're talking about current versus deferred giving, the old phrase, if you're giving while you're living, then you're knowing where it's going. There's something to be said for that, because the sooner we give it away and and not hoard it and hold it, but rather let it be used. If it can be used now out of my of the abundance God's given me, I'm going to be invited to invest in that which is going to endure forever. I can't quantify it, so there's a risk involved. But the, the more I have, the more I should give proportionately. We're told that. The more I have, the more I should give sacrificially. It should affect my life. And I have to be willing to actually give it away more and more so it's not just something I'm going to hold on to after I'm dead but rather giving with a warm hand so that we actually can experience that grace of knowing that it's being used now and not, mm. not just deferred later on. 
Yeah. Ken, do we actually get credit for gifts we give at death as opposed to while we're living? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if, if you're not careful, you're going to try to name your land after yourself and your, your wealth after yourself and have an identity that you're trying to con- continue to have this is done in my name and so forth. But yes. to be perfectly frank with you, I think the, uh, the future value of our giving declines every day we wait on it and, yeah. and don't, don't give it away. That's a big idea. And I know you've said that reward is based on faithfulness to opportunity, and we can send this on ahead. So eternal rewards are an appropriate basis for our giving. Is that right? Absolutely. I think that we're told that if you want to receive, have a heavenly portfolio, God's not against us pursuing profit. He just wants us to define it according to how he defines it. And profit isn't money and wealth and power. Profit is relationships. It is a right relationship with God and a right relationship with others. It, that's where a wise person will pursue that which is, is, which is going to endure forever. So, Rob, we don't go to work in the Peter Pavilion or the Pauline Plaza. Those first century apostles invested in people, and that's why we're here. And so it's Psalm 49 talks about that. You can build buildings and buy land, put your name on it, but it's not going to endure. People endure. Yeah, we've got 30 seconds. This has been a fascinating conversation. Russ, tie a bow on it for us. Well, I think that what I just said would be how I'd leave it. You know, we all have a choice. We either be wise with our money and begin sending on ahead now, or we can be a fool and try to sit on it and hold it. And you don't know when your life's going to be required of you. So I'd get started sooner than later. Uh, that's well said. Well, Dr. Boa, Russ Crossan, so thankful for your ministry, your friendship, and for this incredible work. We're grateful for the time you spent with us today. Grateful to be with you. Thanks for having us. That was Ken Boa and Russ Crossan, the co-authors of the book Leverage, Using Temporal Wealth for Eternal Gain, a fascinating conversation. Folks, we want to put a copy of this book in your hands, and we can do that when you make a gift before December 31st of any amount at faithfi.com. That's faithfi.com. Just click give. Your calls are next, 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is Faith and Finance Live. We'll be right back. The opinions offered during this program represent the personal or professional opinions of the participants given for informational purposes only. Any information provided is not intended to replace advice from a financial, medical, legal, or other professional who understands your specific situation. Great to have you with us today on Faith and Finance Live. I'm Rob West. All right, it's time to turn the corner and take your financial questions today, whatever you're thinking about financially. We'd love to tackle it with you, help you apply God's wisdom to your decisions and choices. So what are you thinking about today? Give us a call, 800-525-7000. That number again is 800-525-7000. You can call right now. Uh, Let's dive in and begin in Winter Haven, Florida. Hi, Robert. Go ahead. Yes, Rob. Thank you so much for taking my call. Uh, my mother-in-law is 92 years old, and she's been in an assisted living home, and now they said that she's going to have to go on to a nursing home, and so that's going to be some cost. Now, she has about $4,000 in income a month, and now they say the cost of that nursing home is going to be around $8,000 a month. So, now, just 
today they closed on her house. She's selling her house. And so we wanted to know what to do with that money, maybe to help out, make up for that deficit she'll have each month. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I certainly understand. And so uh, you're trying to solve for a gap of about 4000 a month. Is that right? That's right. Okay. And yeah. what is the proceeds of that home sale? It's 260000 Okay. All right. Um, and, you know, I think the key is going to be, obviously, how long we can allow this money to last. Um, you know, what, what, did, what are you thinking about just in terms of how much you believe you need to be able to, uh, you know, how long you'd like to see this extend at 4000 a month? Yeah, maybe just say six, five or six years just to kind of come up with a, a number. Okay. Well, I mean, that's right about where it would come out at. Cause if you take, uh, you know, 260,000 divided by $4,000, that's 65 months, um, you know, that, um, that that would last, obviously that could be invested. And so then, you know, that would extend that out for a longer period of time. You know, the key would just be if we're looking at a five-year time horizon, we're kind of right on the edge of where, you know, we'd probably that short enough where we need to be really careful. So, you know, one option would be we look at, um, you know, just using like a CD or uh, something like that, just to try, especially right now, while interest rates are higher, to be able to guarantee the money so we don't have the risk of loss. Um, but, um, you know, we can still get a decent rate of return. Um, what are you all thinking, though, just in terms of how you want to treat this money related to investments? Yeah, we were thinking along that line. I, I wanted to call you and see if there, if I wasn't thinking along the right lines. But I, I saw, I have seen in the ads that there are CDs that were, I don't know, the last time I looked some time ago was, I don't know, 4 or 5%, something like that. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, I mean, you mean right now you can get 5.6% uh, with a one-year CD. You could get a five-year CD at, you know, 4.6%. Um, so, you know, that would obviously be a, a fairly healthy rate of return. Uh, and then you could take, you know, that 4,000 a month out. Um, and, you know, we would see that would probably last, uh, you know, that would probably get her, you know, through six years, I would say, um, it would probably add an extra year with that 4.6%. Uh, you know, annualized on 260,000, pulling out, you know, 4,000 a month. Um, so, you know, that's obviously not ideal, but at the same time, that's why the money's there. And uh, I guess the question would just be if the Lord tarries and she lives longer than that, what would be the plan after that? Yeah, we've never faced this. So I just uh, wonder what in the world uh, would be, what would happen at that time? I don't know either. Yeah. Well, you know, at that point, uh, you'd have to, you know, put her in a Medicaid facility if somebody wasn't able, uh, you know, to cover that gap for her. And I realize that's a significant sum of money. Um, So I'm not saying that somebody should, but essentially we'd be talking about, uh, you know, getting just a little over six years. And at that point, uh, you know, her assets would have been spent down at that point, and therefore, you know, she would have to go someplace that would, you know, be willing to accept Medicaid once she got below those levels. And so you could, you know, look into a, a facility that would uh, cover that, um, you know, and, 
you know, begin to explore your options so you knew where she'd, you know, be headed and you all could take the time to research it and feel good about it. But, um, you know, I think that's about the best option. I wouldn't feel good about taking a lot of risk with this money. I think the key is to probably go ahead and lock it in at the 4.6. That You know, the challenge is you could get a one-year CD and get an extra percentage point, but then, you know, what if a year from now rates are down, you know, considerably? At least you can lock in the 4.6 for five years today and know that that's going to get you at least that extra, you know, year and a quarter or so versus just, you know, pulling that money out, you know, without it invested. Um, so that'd probably be the direction that I would go, put it in FDIC insured CD for five years. Um, and, um, you know, I think the key is, um, is she going to start drawing on this immediately though? Because if she needs the money right away, or at least, you know, a monthly starting now, then obviously we're going to have to ladder those CDs. Otherwise the money wouldn't be available. Yeah, I, I guess, is, is it uh, good thinking that we should just leave some of it, uh, a portion uh, liquid in, yeah. I don't know what you call a money market yeah, like that? For sure. Yeah. So she this starts right away. Is that right? Yes, sir. Okay. Yeah. So what I would probably do is, is take it a year at a time, probably put the first year uh, in a high yield savings account at 4.6. And then you could put the second year, uh, you know, in a in a uh, one-year CD at, at 5.6, so that comes due, you know, to start the second year, and then you could ladder it out from there and stack them on top of each other. But yeah, for year one, I'd be looking at a FDIC, FDIC insured money market account or high yield savings. Robert, thanks for your call, sir. God bless you. We appreciate it. We'll be right back. Great to have you with us today on Faith and Finance Live. I'm Rob West. We're taking your calls and questions today, 800-525-7000. We've got some lines open. That's 800-525-7000. You can call right now. Uh, let's go to Chattanooga, Tennessee. Uh, Dan, thanks for calling. Go ahead. Yes, sir. Um, I'm due to retire here in the next month or so. And... I have an option on a private pension of taking an 18% decrease in my pension to keep my wife covered at the same rate until after she dies, if I die first. Or I can take the same amount of money and get a $1 million life insurance policy on a 25-year term, which will get her about 20 years if I die before I'm 84 years of age. I'm just trying to figure out which way is the best way to go. Hmm. So are you saying that the 18% is equal to the premium on the life insurance? Within a few dollars, that is correct. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's really interesting. Okay, so you get the the reduced amount for both of your lives, or you get the higher amount, but you're essentially left with the same amount because you're going to direct the equivalent of 18% to that life insurance policy. Um, with the life insurance, uh, that would cover, uh, you said it's a 20-year policy? It's a 25 25-year policy. Okay, yes. so that would get you to age what? 84. Okay. So if you live to be 85, that policy's then, gone, and then you pass away, and now she's without any of your pension income. You need a pension, but she has other retirements too. Right, but how would that impact her yeah. lifestyle at that point? I don't know. That's, okay. that's the gamble. <laughs> 
Yeah. It seems to me that the, you know, and I, I'm just thinking through this with you here for just a couple of moments. This is probably something you need to connect with an advisor on just to run some analysis a little deeper than we'd have time to do today. But just at face value, Dan, I'm struck by, you know, the guaranteed uh, pension for the rest of your lives, both of you, versus uh, you still having, you know, the the same uh, net amount but taking a risk with the insurance policy that you live one day longer than the 25-year term. Right. Uh, that's, that's, so, the, that's the problem. Yeah. So I, I feel like, you know, it'd be one thing if you had the 20% extra per month that you could sock away, but you're just basically collecting that and then turning around and writing a check to the insurance company. So it doesn't help you in any way to take the, um, you know, the the higher amount. Um, it'd probably be better to take the lower amount and know that it's guaranteed and she can count on that for the rest of her life. Now, if, if, uh, she were to say, you know, this is really sur- your pension is surplus beyond what I think I might need because I have my, my retirement and, you know, my social security, um, you know, that'd be one thing. But even then I think her ability to have that check, even if it is kind of, you know, a cushion each month gives her the ability or both of you the ability to just sock that away so that, you know, you've got a, you're building up even more of a nest egg that could cover either of your, both of your long-term care needs, that type of thing. So I think my just kind of first blush is take the reduced amount and know that you've got it guaranteed for both of your lives. That's what I'm thinking. Cause originally it was about $3,000 a year less is what I was originally quoted. Ah, okay. They rate, but they raise the rate on me. Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah, but but if you're saying it's a wash on that 25 year policy, then I just don't see any upside of you taking that higher amount. Yeah, the more I look at this, more what I'm thinking too. Yeah, very good. All right, Dan. Hey, listen, all the best to you. What are you guys looking forward to in this next season of life? What do you think God has for you? I do not know. We're just we're free to do things. Yeah, I like it. Hey, I want to send you a book. Uh, it's a book by my friend Jeff Hainan. It's called An Uncommon Guide to Retirement, uh, Finding God's Purpose for the Next Season of Life. I think it might be a blessing to you just to think and pray through kind of where you're headed from here and perhaps uh, approach retirement a little differently than, than the culture would have you to do. Uh, so if you stay on the line, we'll get that in the mail to you, okay? Okay. All right. God bless you, Dan. Thanks for calling today. 800-525-7000 is the number to call. Again, that's 800-525-7000. We've got some lines open. Uh, Let's go to Ohio. Hi, Debbie. How can I help you? Hi. Um, My husband, um, his his mom just passed away, and she was 97, and his dad had passed away a few years ago. They decided to put their house in my husband's name a year ago just to make things easier when they passed. Um, The issue is he has 10 siblings, and the house is uh, going on the market today. Um, He does not plan on keeping any of the profit from the sale. He plans on just letting the 10 siblings divide it up. We're okay. We don't need it. But we also can't afford to pay a ton of income tax or capital gains tax or whatever will result from it being in his name. So what I'm wondering is how do we find out how much that will be before we disperse? <laughs> it's only going to be worth probably 160000 I'm guessing. At the most, it's in kind of out in the boonies in New York. 
Um, okay. Yeah. So that's my so, question. So how much do we yeah, need to it's a great question, Debbie. Thing? I I appreciate that. So, you know, here's the challenge is that a lot of people go down this road thinking that they're helping and making things simpler, and then they end up inadvertently creating a taxable event where there didn't need to be uh, if we were to have put this into a trust or a transfer on death deed. That's neither here nor there, though, because it's already happened. So essentially, when did they gift the property through a quit claim deed to your, your husband? That, I don't know um, how it was put into his name. I know we didn't give any money or anything. Yeah. He has okay. a nephew that has a wife that's a lawyer, and she did it for us. Okay, yeah. So she probably did a quit claim deed. Now, you all would have needed to file, uh, or they would, I'm sorry, uh, a Form 709 with the IRS to let them know that they made this gift. But essentially, by quit claiming the deed to your husband, it was a gift of that asset to him. Now, he's taking the asset that's his and honoring their wishes for it to be split 10 ways. The challenge is when they did that, they, he inherited their capital or cost basis. So do you know what their original cost basis is for this property? <laughs> they bought it 65 years ago. It's yeah. like about 18,000. <laughs> okay. So let's say you you sell it for 160 and you take away 18, that's 140 in profit, uh capital gains. You can subtract any kind of major improvements. You may try to raise that cost basis by improvements, not maintenance, but improvements that improve the value of the property. But let's say there were none and you have 140,000 in capital gain. Uh the long-term capital gain rate if he's owned this for more than a year. Um, if, do you all, are you all married filing jointly? Yes. Okay. And do you have income between 89,000 a year income, not capital gains income between 89,000 and 550,000? Oh, yes. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Okay. So you'd be at a 15% capital gain rate. So essentially, and I'd check with your CPA, but essentially, just what's going on here is whatever that profit is, because your husband didn't inherit it, which would have included a stepped up basis to the date of death, if it was gifted to him, he got their cost basis. So all this profit over what they paid for it is going to be. Uh, uh, for you all to pay a capital gain rate on, and that's going to be at 15%. So if it was 140, and again, we're just talking rules of thumb here, you need to have your CPA do this, it's probably 21000 or so in capital gains uh, tax. So I would say have your CPA calculate exactly what it is, set that aside, net it out, and then he can divide it from there. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Thank you. Okay. You're very welcome, Debbie. All the best to you. We're going to take a quick break. Back with much more on Faith and Finance Live. Stay with us. Great to have you with us today on Faith and Finance Live. Hey, we've got some lines open today. I'd love to hear from you with your financial questions. We'll tackle those together. 800-525-7000 is the number to call. That's right. You can get through right now. 800 800- Five two five seven thousand. We'd love to uh, hear from you today. Uh, let's go back to the phones to Wisconsin. Hi, Sonny. Thanks for calling. Go right ahead. Oh, hi. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks for calling. Okay. Yes. Well, I have a, a, a situation, um, or you know, where I inherited from. Uh, some treasury notes that were overdue, about maybe $25,000. And um, I'm looking for a safe haven, safe place to put them in. Um, 
you know, to invest in. And um, I was wondering if you could possibly help me out. I, I'm a widow of four years, and I'm just uh, recently turned 71, and I don't know what life holds, you know. And sure, I go invest in churches and things like that, and I go to church, and I do believe faithfully, and I do my donations, and you know. And so I'm kind of lost now. What? what I do from here. Maybe you have some advice. And you yeah, can I'd, I'd be happy to, Sonny. Let me first ask, do you have kind of a trusted uh, counselor, advisor, family member who's kind of, you know, journeying with you in some of these decisions? Uh, no, I do not. Okay. You know, I think that would be a, a great first step um, to connect with what we call a certified kingdom advisor. So there's 1,500 men and women across the country that have met high standards and character and competence. They've had pastor and client references. They've been trained to bring biblically wise financial advice, but they've met significant experience requirements as well. And they signed a statement of faith. So the idea would be that this would be a a competent financial professional, uh, probably someone who's, uh, you know, offers financial planning services, but you would know that you'd have a values match and that they could really help you accomplish your goals and objectives, but also be a sounding board to you around things like, how should I invest? Looking at your income and expenses and creating a plan to make sure that you, you know, you've got a budget that balances on a monthly basis and that your assets are being protected. Um, so we're not taking unnecessary risk, but you're also, you know, making steps to grow what you have because we know with inflation, you're losing purchasing power, you know, for any of the money that's not earning, uh, you know, a reasonable rate of return with inflation still today and, you know, more than 4% annually. So I think that would be a great step for you. Um, and the way you'd find a CKA in your area, again, certified kingdom advisor is to go to our website, faithfi.com, click find a CKA and you could interview two or three. Now, um, just as kind of a, some ideas though, you know, with this 25,000, let me ask a couple of questions. Uh, apart from this money, do you have, Sonny, what I would call an emergency fund, which is just kind of a liquid savings account for the unexpected? Yes. Okay. And how many months worth of expenses do you think you have in that emergency fund separate from the treasury note you called about today? And in the liquid fund, is that and including the IRAs and the CDs and all the other things? No, ma'am, just that you'd have readily accessible in savings. Oh, okay. Um, maybe about uh, 10000 Okay. And what do you, do you have a budget that, uh, you know, has a detailed listing of all of your monthly expenses? Uh, Yes. Okay. And what Uh do you think that totals roughly per month? Oh, gee, Louise, let's see. Well, it changes, you know, it fluctuates, but uh, I would say no more than $2,500 to $2,000. Yeah. You know, what I'd love for you to do, and and I'd be happy to provide someone to do this, is really get that dialed in so that on a monthly basis, you know 
not only the things you get a bill for every month, but also we're factoring those things that don't happen every month. So if, for instance, if you have a quarterly insurance payment, we can set aside, you know, one, uh, you know, the equivalent of one month's worth of that payment, um, you know, away into a savings account so that when that quarterly payment comes due, you're ready for it. Uh, you know, the same thing with your taxes. If you pay the homeowners and you don't escrow that through a mortgage, you know, you put one twelfth of that aside, maybe a certain amount for gifts. I mean, we want to look at all of these both recurring and non-recurring categories and find out what it truly costs for you, you know, each month to both cover your current bills as well as save for those things that don't happen every month. And then that would give you kind of an all-in number. And maybe that number is not 2,500, maybe it's 3,500 or 3,000, you know, whatever it is. That way you'd have it there so you don't ever have to wonder, oh, man, this bill's coming. It's a little bigger than I thought. Do I have the money? Then I'd love for you to have six months worth of whatever that number is. Let's say it's 3000 a month. I'd love for you to have 18000 in a liquid savings account. Earning interest, you can get 4.5% on savings right now with FDIC insurance, but that way you'd know that when the unexpected comes, you could fall back on that first. And if you weren't quite there yet in terms of having that much in savings, liquid, not your CDs and IRA, then I would say one of the first goals from the money that came from the Treasury note is to get that savings account up to six months worth of expenses. Then... I think we could look at, uh, you know, what your the rest of your investments look like and determine how to invest anything that remains from the Treasury note. I heard you say CD. I heard you say IRA. Um, do you know what investments are inside the IRA? Um, well, uh, quite a lot, but, okay. you know, yeah. quite a lot. I've, I've yeah. got good, good interest through um, I've got good interest through them over a 15, 20 year period. You know, I've yeah. had them for a while. Sure. Yeah. And that's great. Do you feel more comfortable just continuing to manage all of this yourself? Or would you like to find somebody that could work alongside you to help you make the investment decisions? Oh, sure. That would be great too. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because I, Very I'm good. not a, a per- perfect person, you know, and well, I don't have all my ducks in a row. <laughs> well, none of us are, but we can all benefit from wise counsel. The Bible's clear about that. Uh, you and me uh, both. So uh, here's what I would say. I'd be hesitant other than saying, I, I like the idea of you getting your emergency fund up to six months expenses. Apart from that, I'd be hesitant to weigh in on where to put the balance because I just don't know what other investments you have. And really, any investment allocation should be in light of your overall financial plan so that we know you're, you're properly diversified, you're not taking unnecessary risk, we've got you know the income that you need to cover your bills, and we're you know growing it for the future. Because if the Lord tarries and you're in good health, you might need this money to last decades um, you know, or more. Uh, you know, you, you could live 30 more years, you know, if, if that's the Lord's plan plus. So, you know, I think having that advisor to weigh in could could be a real um, help to you and give you some peace of mind at the same time. So let's do two things. Number one, uh, if, if you're comfortable with this, I'd head to our website, faithfi.com. Click find a CKA and interview, you know, two or three certified kingdom advisors in your area and find one that could really become that trusted advisor to help you with financial decisions and the money management. 
Um, the second thing I'd like to do is have you hold the line because I want to send you a book. It's just my gift to you. It's called Wise Women Managing Money. It's from our friend uh, Miriam Neff, uh, who lost her husband and wrote this book for uh, women uh, who were put in, you know, in a position where all of a sudden they were managing the family finances. And I think it'll be an encouragement to you. I think it'll be insightful and uh, a real blessing to you. So if you hold the line, we'll get your information and put that book in the mail to you as our gift. And then I would encourage you to reach out to an advisor uh, with anything left over out of the treasuries after you fully fund that emergency fund. Thank you so much for calling today. And uh, may the Lord bless you, Sonny. We appreciate you being on the program. Uh, Let's go to uh, Esther, Chicago. How can I help? Hi, how are you doing today? I'm good. I've got uh, just about a minute and a half. How can I assist you? Yes, um, I wanted to ask you a question about my whole life insurance I was trying to get some money out of my uh, either my cash value or my dividends, and I had this insurance since 1999, and they said if I take some money out uh, of the insurance that uh, I would still be able to keep it, but the problem is um, I need um uh, insurance broker to help me with that because I have MetLife insurance and I don't quite understand why I need a broker to help me with the insurance policy to try to get some money out and I don't know if I want to do the cash value or the dividends. Yeah. Uh, are you uh, looking to borrow against the policy or just take out some of the cash value? Yes, I wanted to borrow some of the money out, but I didn't yeah. want to do the cash value, and I didn't want to have the penalty yeah. uh, get penalized for that. So I just wanted yeah. to borrow, get some money out. Sure. And Yeah, and, unfortunately, and Esther, I'm not going to be able to advise you on that just because, and here's the ch- one of the challenges with whole life insurance and annuities, frankly, they're just really complicated and there's a lot of fine print and we're going to have to really have somebody who can help you uh, analyze you know, what is your cash value, what can come out without any penalties or surrender charges. And it, there's a difference between just taking the money out and borrowing it out because you can borrow against a whole life insurance policy. Um, and uh, they add interest to the loan balance And if it goes unpaid, it can cause the policy to lapse. And obviously, you wouldn't want to do that. But with permanent life insurance there, it does build cash value and you can borrow against it. So what I would do is either reach out to somebody at the life insurance company and have them explain to you what your options are or go to a third party advisor, a certified kingdom advisor, and have that person analyze this for you. You have to pay them for their time and advise you on what's possible. And you can do that at faithfi.com. Thanks for your call today, Esther. Faith and Finance Live is a partnership between Moody Radio and FaithFi. I'm grateful for my team today, Dan, Amy, Robert, and our call screeners. God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.